It's still hard to really wrap my mind around the fact that he was committing such acts of violence right next door. You're listening to The Bee Podcast. Be encouraged, learn new things, and feel understood. Now here's your host, Sage Lally. Hey you, and welcome back to The Bee Podcast. Today, I'm here with Jamie, Jamie Gehring, who spent her childhood in endless exploration of a backyard held in common with the Unabomber, a serial killer obsessed with dismantling technological society. For the last four years, Jamie has been writing her braided memoir about growing up next to Ted Kaczynski called Madman in the Woods. In this book, Jamie delves into childhood memories of Ted, shares her father's integral role in the capture of Kaczynski, and tells us more about what it means to grow up next to a murderer. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Hi, Sage. Good. How are you? Good. So before we get started, I would love if you could tell me a bit more about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So my name is Jamie Gearing, and I am currently a writer and a mother of three. I just finished my debut memoir, and it is a little true crime, a little uh, blended memoir, and um, it's out for publication, hopefully April of 2022. So exciting. So what inspired you to write this memoir and to actually tell this story? I've always kind of had the pull to do it, and this is the first time that I've actually had the time to sit down and get the story out of my head and onto, I always say onto paper, but we know it's onto keys, really. (laughs) And um, I've actually been working on this for about four and a half years, almost five years, actually. What kind of spurred it as well is my father passed about nine years ago. And after his passing, I, I, I was really encouraged to write down our story and his part in the investigation to, you know, capture the Unabomber. And um, so I started kind of outlining and, and writing the story down. But then my sister passed about uh, four years ago, five years ago, sorry. And that's when I knew, like, I have to write this story down. It is time. And I did. And then I was part of a Netflix documentary, Unabomber in His Own Words, and there was so much encouragement from that crew as well. They're like, this story is so amazing. You have to finish your book. And so there was so much support there. So I did it. I finally did it. And <laughs> it feels great. Can you tell me a bit more about what it was like to be neighbors with the Unabomber? Yeah, I mean, that is a great question. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. I mean, when I, I, so I was born in 1980 and my, um, my grandfather actually sold Ted Kaczynski the property in 1971. So he was already kind of a staple there when I came home from the hospital to our little cabin in Lincoln, Montana. And as I grew up, when I, when I was little, we just knew him as an eccentric, uh, he, you know, he looked to live off grid, and that wasn't um, that that wasn't strange in the rural area that I grew up in. There was plenty of people that chose that lifestyle, and in the early years, he just seemed like the strange hermit next door. 
we we shared meals together. He, he you know he would he would come by the home. Um, but as the years ticked on, and obviously he was more immersed in his own reign of terror, and um, in my opinion, his mental health was degrading. He did get a lot more terrifying. I mean, even just like when he would come by the home, or when I would run into him in our backyard. It was it was very scary. And so, you know, it was just a very, very strange experience. And then obviously when we all found out who he was, it all added up and, and made so much more sense why I felt that way around him and kind of the watching the de-evolution of him through the years. For those who don't know about him, can you give a bit more of his backstory? Who is the Unabomber? What did he do? And can you just tell us more about him? Yeah, so Ted Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber, was a, uh, the longest-running domestic terrorist in United States history. He His bombing campaign spanned between 1978 to 1995. 1996 is when he was arrested. And he was... Um, he was against the Industrial Revolution. He was basically waging um, a war in his own mind against the technological society. And the way he chose to do that was to send bombs. And um, he ended up killing three and injuring uh, 23 over about 17 years during his, his active terrorism. So what was the experience like for you figuring out your neighbor is the Unabomber and making that connection? So I was 16 when Ted Kaczynski was arrested. And it was, I mean, for lack of better words, it was shocking. And um, we all, I mean, my, my father was, I came to find out he was involved in the, in the investigation. So he actually knew much more about the case. I was living with my mother in California at the time of arrest of Kaczynski. My parents were divorced and I went back and forth between mom in California and dad in Montana. And right before his arrest, my mother was actually interviewed by the FBI. And um, we all we all were just completely taken aback that the FBI had come to her and were asking questions about this man that she had lived next door to so many years ago. And so once it came out, I mean, I heard it on the news is where I actually heard it. And I felt like I could barely breathe. I mean, it was just such a surprise because although he was strange we never made the jump from like, okay, he's an eccentric, you know, neighbor to a murderer and a serial killer. So it was definitely difficult to reconcile that in my own mind. And even even while writing the book, there's so much more that I unearthed about his acts of um, terror, even like close to home and in our backyard. And it's still hard for me to really wrap my mind around the fact that he was committing such acts of violence right next door. 
What was the last experience you had with Ted? So the last experience that I had with Ted was I was walking through the woods and I ran into him. We, I, I, I was walking to my favorite place on our property, which, which was our rock quarry, and he was coming from the other direction. We both rounded a corner and almost ran into each other, and we kind of just both stood there in the woods because you don't expect to see someone else deep in the woods like that, for one. And then for me personally, I was already scared of him at that point. And so I was just kind of frozen and we both kind of stuttered out like a hello (laughs) and he was shocked obviously to see me. Of course, now I know that in those woods he was, he was testing bombs and who knows what he was actually doing. He was foraging for, for pieces of um, bombs and shrapnel. So who knows what was happening on that particular day. But we both kind of turned around and went in the opposite direction after seeing each other. And I just remember there was so much fear that I had deep in the woods with him. And the entire time I um, I ran home and normally, I mean, that was pretty out of character for me. I ran home. I went a different way than I had come. And I just kept looking over my shoulder to make sure nobody was behind me. So that was the last time that I had um, like a face-to-face interaction. After that, it was just seeing him and giving him a wave or maybe come, he would come by and ask for the time. But that was the last um, like meaningful interaction, I would say, between us before his arrest. And you didn't see him after he was arrested? No, I did not see him after he was arrested other than, of course, on the news the coverage of the trial in Sacramento, I did watch. And um, I did, though, decide after all of these years to write to him in the in his Supermax prison, uh, which was a difficult decision, but I had always wanted to. And so I finally did. I finally wrote to him and... Um, I told him that my father had passed because there were there was a camaraderie, even though there was tension between the two of them. There was still that camaraderie of these mountain men living living this um, you know similar perceived lifestyle at least. And so I did you know I tell I told him that about my da- my my dad's passing, and um, just kind of some shared memories of growing up with him. Um, and just, I, I really wanted, there was some questions I had about his writings and about his ideals that I just wanted a little more clarification on. So, um, yeah, it was probably like a nine page letter <laughs> I initially wrote to him. And when I, I did receive a letter back from him and it was shocking to see my name on an envelope from him in his handwriting when I, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen him or spoken to him in so many years. So anyways, you have to, you have to wait for the book to see what he said to me. 
Did you tell him that you're writing a book about him? I did not. And when I first, the very first letter that I wrote to him, I wasn't writing a book yet. Um, So it took him a while to write back to me. But since then, I have told him I'm writing a book. And what did he say? Uh, He has not responded to that yet. So we'll see. And he may not. (laughs) It just depends. You talk about how you... The last time you saw him, you were afraid of him by then. Can you tell me what led to your fear? What he did that made you feel so afraid, even though you didn't know he was a serial killer at the time? What made him scary? It was really everything about him. It was from his appearance to the way he carried himself. When I was really young, um, like four or five even six, I remember, I have fond memories of him. And in my, in my child mind, my memories were of, although I always remember him being a little bit strange, he seemed calm and he seemed kind. And um, when he came by, even if I was like playing in the yard by myself, I wasn't scared of him. So it was just, it's hard to articulate. It was just my own feelings when when I was little. But then as as the years went on, when he would come by, if he was, you know, coming by to ask what time it was or for whatever reason to talk to my dad, there were some times where I would hide in the house and wait for him to leave because I just got I just got scared. And he, like I said, he carried himself differently. He he was like so much more task driven. His his um, eyes seemed to be like more bulging, probably because he was he had lost so much weight from being you know living off of the land for so long. He his his hair was sticking straight up, and there was usually soot on his face and dirt on his hands. And so his appearance even was even a, a little scarier than it was in those early years. So it was a combination of things, how he carried himself and, and how he looked and how he even spoke to me. Do you ever feel like you were at risk of being harmed by him? Um, I do. And that was a really difficult part of writing this book because There's always been a part of me that's been able to compartmentalize Ted, the hermit next door, and the Unabomber. Like they're so, to me, they were so separate. And I would have never thought that he would harm me or my family. But yes, in writing the book, I found that there were times that um, I was definitely a danger and my family was in danger. And so that was that was a really difficult um, part of this for sure. What do you hope will come out of writing this book? Why do you feel like this book needed to be written? What impact do you hope it will have on the world? I hope that as a reader, people will understand that we're all connected and that's that is such a huge theme of my own personal journey in this and my and this book. I mean, today looking back 5 years ago, I would never think that I would 
be close with David Kaczynski, Ted's brother, or even FBI agent Max Knoll, um, or that I would write a letter to my former neighbor, the Unabomber. And again, it's just really, to me, it's about sharing those those human experiences, understanding people in a deeper way. And so I hope that's what people get from my book. I love that. When the book comes out, where can we find it? And in the meantime, where can we find you on the internet? So you can find me on the internet at, um, on Instagram, Jamie Gearing author. And then also you can subscribe to my website at just jamiegearing.com. And I have a little newsletter that I send out very, very seldomly, so <laughs> nobody gets spammed. But it just has, you know, some updates. Like, for instance, I just sent one out um, announcing that I was being published with Diversion Books. So that would probably be the best way to get a hold of me. Thank you for listening to The Bee Podcast with your host, Sage Lally. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Your story has the power to help others if you step out in boldness and have the bravery to tell it. There are people here who will listen. You just have to speak. That's all for now, friends. See you next time. Bye. Bye.